Hi, I'm Philippa Ballantyne, and you're listening to The Melting Podcast. You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Hi! Welcome to episode 56 of the Melting Podcast. I'm your head chef, AF Grappin. That's Erin, the not so important grill mistress, but still important, just not the important one. You keep telling yourself that. Okay. I'm the important one. <laughs> oh, you're so cute. You think you matter. Anyway, it is the middle of January 2018. You do matter. I, I know I You do all of our editing. I sure do. Without me, there's no show. Gus is the important one. Yeah, I organize everything. I read the submissions. I schedule Yeah, stories. but I'm awesome. You are. So... I mean, without you, this show would not be what it is. It would be something else. It would. Not as Less good. awesome. Yeah, significantly. <laughs> but we're sidetracking ourselves. <laughs> we do that a lot. Yeah, middle of January. Um, we have a slightly shorter episode than normal for you today. Aww. But that doesn't mean it's any less good. Aww. We have a kind of a, a running thing on this show, apparently. One of our favorite... Well, you're, you're a running thing. Yeah, well. One of our favorite word chefs has given us the third story involving a certain trio of characters. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Close, because the word chef is Hugh. I know, I know, I know, yeah? I know, I know. Why don't you tell everybody? I know, I know. The Freelance Hunters. The Freelance Hunters. <laughs> our our friend, uh, podcast friend, Hugh O'Donnell, has, Hi, Hugh. has sent us the, a, a third Freelance Hunter story. Now, he has other Freelance Hunter stories that we have not uh, produced. Obviously. But the ones that he sends us do go along with our prompts and are just so much fun that we've actually kind of become the voices of the Freelance Hunters. We did this at Balticon. It was great. It was so much fun. It was. And it's so weird that I'm Joaquim and not Bingo. But anyway, <laughs> that was just the way casting ended up being that first story. But anyway, so we have another freelance hunter story for you. This is a main ingredient story. Mm-hmm. Once again, based off of a Stoke the Fire prompt. Of course. Of course, because that's just how he rolls. He was the first one to do it. He's continuing. And, uh, and of course, the prompt that this is based off of is something a, uh, a Hoosier like me absolutely needs an answer to. That would be prompt number 13, which isn't, unfortunately, closed. But still, prompt number 13. Where did the corn go? So enjoy this story based on the prompt. And just, yeah, just just be prepared to laugh. Bon appetit. Ears to the Ground by Hugh O'Donnell. You won't believe this, Bingo shouted and slammed a newspaper onto the table. From his spot in the training area, Joaquin paused and looked over. Glory set down her lunch, a bowl of leftover stew, and arched an eyebrow at the newspaper in front of her. You're joining the Printer's Guild? The headline, you daft boozer! Joaquin wandered to the table and peered over Bingo's shoulder. With his nearly three-foot height advantage, it wasn't difficult. Human town vanishes overnight, 
he read aloud. You're right. I don't believe it. Just look, Bingo insisted, tortured by his companion's lack of interest. He gestured to a sketch of an abandoned town. It's Corn Hall! Rumor has it that every living thing for miles has just disappeared. Glory sighed and gestured toward one of the papers. It fluttered over and hung in the air an inch above her bowl. The runes on her hands hated getting dirty. Bingo practically held his breath while she read the hovering article. It sounds like another scam, she said. The freelance hunters last visited the town chasing sightings of a unicorn. They had, in fact, caught the beast, which turned out to be the town's fastest horse, gussied up with a prosthetic horn to lure in tourists. Their anger at the deception was legendary, and an embarrassment for all involved. You think they'd try again, after what we did to the mayor? Joachim asked. Glory shrugged and resumed her lunch. If something tragic has befallen them, they surely deserved it. Besides, the Daily Bucina is notorious for publishing rumors, gossip, and outright fabrications. They've posted a nice reward for anyone who can solve the mystery, Bingo said. Then it is definitely fiction. But three hundred gold teeth might be worth the trip, right? That presupposes we find anything at all. And should we be successful, we would still require sufficient proof. It's a fool's errand, Bingo. Never put stock in a payday from a publisher. They did have some pretty good whiskey, Joaquim offered. If you think I'm going to trudge through the wilderness for five days just to save some hick town where everybody hates us from a dire threat that I guarantee you is just going to be another tourist scam, you have another thing coming. The wizard determinedly went back to her lunch, satisfied that the matter was settled. A week later, the three of them stood at the edge of what was once Corn Hall. Well, that's ominous, Glory said. There should have been cornfields. There should have been trees, grass, bushes. There should have been insects buzzing and birds chirping. But for five miles out from the city, there was nothing at all but soft, gray sand. It was as though a stamp had been placed on the world. It had a fine, perfect edge. The side the three of them stood on was perfectly normal. Life just simply stopped at the line. Where'd the corn go? Bingo asked aloud. Glory raised her hand for silence. The other worked feverishly, forming rune after rune as Glory examined the edge. I've never seen a spell like this. This wasn't death magic. But there is something. A changing, but at such a scale? She was only half talking to her companions, working out the strange events in her own head. Is it an illusion? Joachim asked. She shook her head. No, everything's just gone. Each living thing was, I don't know, spirited away, maybe. There's something odd about the town, too. A spike in lay energy there that isn't natural. Do you think whoever did this is still here? The barbarian asked, tightening his grip on Incisor, his magical spear. There's only one way to find out, Glory said. Is it safe? Bingo asked, one boot hovering dramatically over the dirt. With the amount of magic coming from Cornhall, not a bit. 
but we won't die before we get there. Unless they kill us en route, of course. How reassuring. The freelance hunters began the five-mile walk toward the town. Bingo and Joaquim took point. The runes on Joaquim's spear pulsed with a blue glow that seemed stronger than usual. Bingo kept his hands in his coat pockets, his eyes darting across the empty landscape. Glory lagged a few steps behind, constantly tracing runes with her fingers and muttering almost to herself. I've never seen magic like this. To leave no trace. This is something huge, but it's sitting just outside my vision. After a mile or so, Bingo finally snapped. What the blazing hells are you talking about? He asked, agitation creeping into his voice. He felt exposed in the wastes outside of town. His footfalls seemed to echo on the empty stone. Glory stopped and looked at him sharply. Spells leave evidence behind, the same way that a fire leaves ashes. There is so much death here, but I can't find any sign of it. Just change and movement, then nothing at all. They didn't say much else for a long while. It wasn't until they approached the town itself, and the midday sun came out from the clouds that they noticed the statue. It towered over the single-story houses and the roadside inn. They stopped and stared at the colossus, eighty feet tall and gray stone, with a shining horn of colored glass that caught the sunlight and bathed the empty in rainbow light. A unicorn rearing over Corn Hall. Glory gasped and made a long series of runes with her hands. It's all there, she said, nearly a whisper of awe and terror. The life force of the town, the ley lines are all twisted together to make that thing. I've never seen anything like it. Can you spot who made it? Joaquim asked, practical to the end. I don't know. I don't think so. Something like this would require considerable effort. And it would need to be maintained. So they are ahead of us. It looks that way. Bingo appeared unarmed, but his unseasonably long coat had easy access to anything he needed. His fingers twitched as he considered the most expeditious hidden blades and tools. They walked on, unsure of the force they would soon meet. They found her in the town square, standing under the shadow of the unicorn's massive hoof. She was a human woman, perhaps thirty, with long chestnut hair tied in a ponytail that trailed over her gray and brown hiking gear. She would have been entirely unremarkable if she weren't the only living thing for miles. She pulled out a wand as the freelance hunters entered the square. The tip burned as cherry red as a cigar, and she traced looping patterns with it in the air in front of her. A wave of wind rushed out and slammed into the freelance hunters like a great invisible hand. Glory gestured quickly as it rushed toward them, barely forming a gauzy blue shield around herself. She slid back a foot on the bare stone. Joaquim and Bingo lost their footing and were knocked back. Glory countered by conjuring a glowing chain of magic out of the earth behind her. The lynx coiled and rose like a snake rearing to strike. At the last moment, the other mage deftly gestured with her wand, sending out a red flare that obliterated the spell before Glory could trap her. You are academy trained, she said, arcing her wand in another complicated pattern. These tattoos aren't just for show. 
Glory replied. Each released a stream of sizzling sparks that wove around each other and exploded in a firework. And you're using the northern channeling style, correct? Are you Gloriana Bywater? The same? Normally, Glory would have insisted on her full title, but the witch was obviously skilled, and she focused on maintaining her defenses. That means they are. You're the freelance hunters. You've heard of us, Glory asked. Usually, that was a bad thing. I'm putting up my wand, all right? The woman ended her casting. After a moment of temptation, Glory did the same. We should talk. My name is Marguerite. I hunt cryptids. Cryptids? Joachim asked, rising to his feet. Yes, mythic beasts. Creatures like dire badgers, dragons, jackalopes. I hunt only the rarest of them. The ones that can only be found in story and song. My family have been monster hunters for generations. And unicorns? Bingo suggested. The woman sighed and looked up at the statue. Bagging a live unicorn would have been the crowning achievement of my career. I trained for it for years. I studied every bit of lore I could get my hands on. I even kept my... She blushed and turned away. Glory rolled her eyes. And then you heard about Cornhall, Joaquin said. And you fell victim to the same scam we did. Bingo finished. They humiliated me. I came home with nothing, and I couldn't escape the desire for revenge. So you and your clan made this? Glory asked. Marguerite shook her head. I am the last of my clan. I was taught by my grandmothers. Hunting monsters is a dangerous business, as you know. I probably should have settled down and started a family, but I wanted that unicorn so badly, and the lore is very specific on the matter. Wait. Glory said, staring up at the statue. You did this by yourself? Oh, yes. It took me ages to prepare the spell. That's why it took me so long to get my revenge. What is this? I've never seen anything like it. Well, my family specializes in alchemy. Mostly we use it to synthesize remedies or create traps. And I had the whole region lay-mapped for my first visit, so I knew where all the magic flowed and how strongly. It was a lot of figures, but if you're converting a base area, it isn't that much more difficult to turn an entire town to stone than it is a person. You turned the whole town to stone? That's an impressive technique. Sorry, I can't share it. Family secret. And that's why nothing felt dead. Because it's all just suspended. Exactly. None of the townsfolk, or even any of their crops, are destroyed. Just changed in form. And the statue? Well, once the stone was inert, I converted it to sand and transmuted the sand into the statue. From there, it's all math, really. So they're stuck as a statue forever? Bingo asked, trying to get a hold on the situation. Well, we'll see. Marguerite smiled deviously. I'm sorry, I don't understand the end game here, Bingo said. It's quite simple. I dedicated my life to hunting the unicorn. I spent years training my body, mind, and spirit for the task, and they made a mockery of me with their little stunt. 
I want them to know how I felt. I want them to feel the wasted years. So I'll keep them, a village trapped out of time, and someday I'll change them back. Glory looked around the deserted town. The shadow of the statue covered it completely. Well, word of your little escapade has gotten out. I suggest we remove ourselves to somewhere a bit more private. I've been using the inn as a base. They have an excellent distillery. Let's go. Joachim agreed. The next morning, the freelance hunters gathered in the inn common room for breakfast before leaving Corn Hall. Where's Marguerite? Glory asked Joaquin. She's got some things to work on. She's agreed to change the town back, but it won't be a healthy place for us while she's doing it. We need to get back to the road. How'd you convince her? Bingo asked. We stayed up late. Talking, Joaquin said. I eventually got her to give up revenge and unicorns. And how did you do that, I wonder? Glory asked. Joaquin didn't reply, but went back to filling his pack. She said we only have a couple of hours to clear the zone before the spell reverses itself, he said. They hurriedly prepared for a hard march. They had barely made it back to the edge when the spell came undone. Glory watched through a spell of farsight, but all three of them saw the pillar of smoke and dust as the statue of the unicorn collapsed. A spiraling wind sprung from nowhere and spread over the town, obscuring everything in a cloud of thick dust that slowly settled into the ashen shapes of rows of ripe corn, towering trees, and even a few people standing eerily still in the coalescing air. Each shape slowly gained more and more detail, until in the blink of an eye they ceased to be statues and were suddenly and invariably alive. The corn waved in a soft breeze. A farmer turned around and around in confusion. The air was filled with the panicked flight of birds as they suddenly returned to life, uncertain of what happened. Well, Cornhall is back. That's a job well done, Bingo said. Indeed. Let's go home, Glory replied. Joaquin stared out at the fields and forests and frowned. If the town is restored, how will we claim our reward from the Daily Busina? Bingo and Glory paused momentarily. I thought Glory was, he said. Bingo was going to, she replied. The two hill folks' resultant profanity was in perfect sync. Son of a half-eaten dog, licking waffles with a fucking dirt trollop digging. Joaquin shrugged and pulled a pilfered bottle of bourbon from his pack. Have a drink. You both look like you could use it. What's what? What you I? You were a girl. But I was also Joaquin, and he solved the problem by sleeping with her. So I. So slept you with, slept with yourself. I slept with myself in this story. Oh, it's like real life.
<laughs> Sorry, that just kind of came You're out. You're so fired. No, I'm not. You're I have f- tenure. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, but you're I'm really not. not. No, you're not. <laughs> well, while I work on getting my self-esteem Girlfriend? back, <laughs> it's gonna take a lot longer for that. I'm sorry. It just while stop. while well, hush. Drink your beer. Take a sip. <laughs> while I work on restoring my my slaughtered ego, have a promo. Archivos, the new story development application from WonderThink Studios, will change the way you look at stories. Archivos takes a different approach to documenting your story setting. While most wikis and storytelling frameworks focus on documenting the elements of your stories, Archivos is more interested in the connections between those story elements. It's the relationships between characters and places and events that express the true structure and allure of your stories. As a storyteller, that's the awareness you need to strengthen and refine the crafting of your stories. Archivos really is the story development tool for today's storytellers. Learn more about Archivos at www.archivos.digital. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. Archivos. Your stories illuminated other people are great my ego still hurts you don't have an ego i'm a leo i have all the ego you operate on id and you know it yeah yeah (laughs) so you know what we haven't done in a while what i haven't done in a while (laughs) we're still on we're still on this Aaron. no (laughs) i said we we have never but no, what we haven't done on the podcast. I'm sorry, I can't keep this. I'm leaving this in. <laughs> Everybody's confused enough by us anyway. We're just best friends, people. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and asked me, so are you two? No. No, she's married. I'm single. They're, we're, we're just we're, really, really yeah. close friends. We're <laughs> practically siblings. The mark of a really good best friend is that they make your families question your sexuality and marital status. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, we that digress. That was so worth it. High yeah. five. <laughs> Ow, that hurt my wrist. That's what you get. Yeah, I know. But anyway, <laughs> do you know what we on the podcast have not done in a while? Made money? What else we <laughs> on the podcast have not done in a while? Um, hang on, I got I, I I got another one. Hang on, hang on. Um, actually, cooked something. I cook all the time. Try again. But on the podcast, you haven't. I have yet. No. So it sounds like promo. it sounds like it's time for me to boil a pot. Oh dear. Oh yeah, we're going there. So the what boils my pot segment. Is when Aaron, in particular, often with you know interjected comments from myself, comments, questions, suggestions, examples, wax rhapsodic on crimes in literature and, and movies, and movies, and just the the storytelling craft in general. Sometimes it's grammar. Sometimes it's story trope. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, pretty you much, never know. Pretty much anything's fair game. And you know what? If you have something that you want Aaron to rant about. Tweet it to us, Facebook it to us, email it to us. Which is what we did in our live show at Balticon. Yeah, which was fantastic. 
But I have your topic for this What Boils My Pot segment. All right, let's go. Your topic mm-hmm. is unnecessarily detailed world-building info dumpage. Often in fantasy, but just as an example, I think you already know where I'm going with this. You, yeah. You, okay, I'm not even <laughs> going to give examples. Just go. <laughs> okay. Well, to start with a series that, that I, I love... I will say this up front. Um, Wheel of Time. Oh, excellent series. <laughs> Wonderful series. And uh, Brandon Sanderson, who I have met, is a great guy and did a great job carrying on for Robert Jordan. Mm-hmm. But Robert Jordan definitely had a thing for describing women's outfits. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many blue dresses slashed with cream Moraine wore in the series. <laughs> or Nynaeve, yellow or green, uh-huh. slashed with yellow or green. Uh-huh. Or talking about um, hairstyles mm-hmm. and things like that. Or, or even just... Talking about little twitchy mannerisms, which in some cases is great. Nynaeve pulled her braid. Constantly. And it, it's one thing to have a, a, a personal trait like that, a tick mm-hmm. that somebody does, like their eye to it. But to say it in almost every time you mention the character mm-hmm. and not being able to describe a character without detailing every intimate bit of their style of dress and that it's indicative of their ancestry and the country they come from and why they do that. And mm-hmm. ah, it, it, it's like you meet a new character and instead of just saying the innkeeper did such and such and smiled warmly and eventually you figure out, oh, it's a woman and she's maybe a little rounder and oh, her her dress is brightly colored because the sunlight reflects off. No, you get it's a woman. She's got big boobs and her butt matches and, you know, she's got a really curvy figure and her her dress is cut really really low and her breasts are gonna spill out of it and she's got ruffled petticoats and oh the dress is bright green and you get all of these teeny tiny details that are completely unnecessary to the plot to any kind of character development you're just sitting here slogging through it Mm -hmm. and it's like okay thank you info dump that was useless info would there be times when that actually is useful information? It is. Like, um, there are times when – I'm trying to think of a specific example. I can't recall one right now, but I'll give a generalized one. Say your characters are looking for someone of a particular description. Mm-hmm. Like looking for an assassin who always wears a certain pin. Mm-hmm. Or you know that the person you're looking for is a highborn gentleman who tends to the hunting and riding. So describing all of the different people you see is important Mm -hmm. because the reader through the character is looking for someone of a certain description. Mm -hmm. So describing everyone you meet can be appropriate in the right situation. But doing it every single time, Mm -hmm. every single person makes every single person on the street. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't even want to know how many red and white tabards there were in Andor when Rand first went there. (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) Now, now, in a certain situation, that is setting up the culture of different regions. Certain situations, yes. 
but just maybe not every single person. It's just maybe like depends on the POV character. Like maybe just giving the general style of the region as compared to other regions. Yes. Like you said, like with the colored petticoats Mm -hmm. versus the all the women that so and so saw had colorful petticoats. It's totally cool. Mm -hmm. That's not an info dump. That's one sentence. But when you spend three paragraphs or pages or the majority of the chapter talking about walking down the street in the outfit of every woman that this person sees, you've gone a bit too far. Or every time you see a certain character, mm-hmm. it's always her rosebud mouth mm-hmm. did this. All that. The, the, the info dump, even if it's just a couple words like that, if you have to say that every time this character appears, you really need to find a new way of saying who who we're seeing point of view from. Now, an author could argue that that's an identifying trait. It is, but is it their only identifying trait? Mm-hmm. Are there other things you could mention, like like I've got the, the princess way, eyes, yeah, or the way they tuck their hair behind their ear, mm-hmm. or a head tilt? Mention a different one every time, mm-hmm. or maybe just say their name. <laughs> throw, throw, throwing out an example on that one, mm-hmm. um, biting your lip. Mm-hmm. Arya Stark. Mm-hmm. When she was cat of the canals, she had to school herself against biting her lip because cat doesn't do that, mm-hmm. but Arya does. Mm-hmm. So that's there. There's an example of how it could be can be done correctly. Now, you want to get me started on Game of Thrones? Are we talking about the show, or are we talking about a Song of Ice and Fire? Song of Ice and Fire. Okay, so the book series where we're actually seeing the narrative, not right. action. Right. The the TV show does. Pretty good job, in my opinion, of keeping action going and not doing info dumps like that. Right. Kind of hard to do a narrative info dump when there's no narrator. Yeah. But, um, but no, um, heraldry. Holy <laughs> heraldry, Batman. I mean, it's like every time you see somebody, somebody new, this one of the house, this with the this and the that and the this, and here's what they've done and here's where they've been. It's like, can, can you just tell me their name? And let me learn the rest of it as they talk mm-hmm. and it spread it out. Space it doesn't mm-hmm. have to all be at that exact second. Mm-hmm. You can learn more about a character as you get to know them. You don't have to tell us about their great grandmother's fornication. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't know. Some people are interested in that. Some people about some characters, not every single one you meet. Yeah. And 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 you don't have to tell us that snow means bastard. Every time we meet a snow or a sand or, you know, I mean, uh, rivers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. We, we, we get it. We get it. Wow. Like, we get it. <laughs> What's some more good info dumps? You got any? Oh, um, you put me on the spot. I was not. Yes, I do. Well, th- this whole segment puts me on the spot. So. Well, yeah, but you invited this. <laughs> I know. But. We're going to be talking about putting us on the spot a little bit more later. In a so, later segment. So, so that's focus. so that's I know, I know. I just wanted to get kind of give a teaser. So stick around Ooh. later on the episode. We've got some info coming for you. That's not a dump. Maybe it's a dump. But anyway. In this situation, an info dump will be appropriate, seeing as we are bantering in an informative way, ah. telling them what they can expect and what they can do. They need to know. The people need yeah. to know. Now, it seems like the, uh, the the bubbling has kind of gone down a little bit. The bubbling has gone down a bit. I think those two examples really shone. Yeah, those are, <laughs> those are two pretty big so, uh, crimes. So that's something I would say try to avoid as far as, ow, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> so that's something I would say 
try to avoid as far as narration is a description of the surroundings, of the culture. You know, dipping your toes in is great. But please, don't do a cannonball every time we meet a new person or go to a new place. Like three pages about a windowsill? Exactly. Oh, Jane Austen. There you go. Don't get me started. I thought of it. Don't get me started on Jane Austen. Don't even. (laughs) Don't even. (laughs) And it was ten pages. But anyway. Oh, God. Um... Um, but no, describe people, describe things appropriately. But if you have had your readers in this city before, even if it's your character's first time in that city, like say a previous character, POV character has been there, right? but this one is now come, you still don't have to go to the same level of detail. Mm -hmm. Maybe pick a few points to focus on. Or when you've got a character who has a defining feature, like, I'm going to say it uh, as an actress, um, Natalie Dormer, with mm-hmm. her smirk. Yeah. If I were to talk about her every time and always mention the smirk, you would want to punch me in the face. Like Rufus Sewell with his lazy eye. Exactly. You don't want to focus on just one thing mm-hmm. and have to mention it every time this person comes up. Be diverse with mm-hmm. your descriptions, but don't go overboard. <laughs> just just <laughs> notice other things. Yeah, notice other things. And when it comes to... Um, Game of Thrones type stuff, that that type of mm-hmm. fantasy, that that area. Um, the heraldry is great. Save it for situations where it matters, mm-hmm. like a joust mm-hmm. or a formal introduction to a royal mm-hmm. or an announce, something like that. It doesn't have to be every time you see them. <laughs> Unless this person is super ridiculously vain and insists on it and it's a character trait. Mm-hmm. Then it's appropriate and it's funny. Always exceptions to every rule. There are always exceptions. But yeah, those are the two that really stand out the most to me. Question. Answer. And this and this I'm I'm genuinely I'm not I'm not playing devil's advocate. I'm actually very curious to hear your opinion on this. Okay. Would you consider the Silmarillion an info dump? Yes. That's what I thought. It, but, but it's it, historical. It is like an extended appendix. Mm-hmm. From the books. It, it's been a long time since I've read it, so I'm still, I'm a little rusty on it. But it was for people who have read Lord of the Rings, which in itself is a lot of info dump and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, again, first of its kind. Yeah. It was innovative. There, it, it, it was the initial trial and error. Yeah. You know, there, there, there was nothing else for him to go on. But anyway, I digress. Um, it was for the people who had read... Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and all of these things, who read all of the appendices at the end of the book. Yes, at 13 years old, I was one of them. Um, Who wanted more. Mm-hmm. Who wanted the history of these worlds and those long lists of genealogy and heraldry and extensive descriptions of Luthien's hair. And I mean, <laughs> just in that sense, yes, it's an info dump, but that's its definition. It's not a book claiming to be an action adventure that stops at the beginning every few chapters for a giant info dump when people were expecting bam, pow, kablooey. They're expecting info dump. You have to look at that differently, at least in my opinion, as it's not a fiction book for us. It's a nonfiction Mm -hmm. book for someone who lives in Middle Earth. Yes, exactly. It's like them reading a history book. Mm I read it after I asked you about the Silmarillion. I thought of what I think might be the worst info dump in written history. 
Was it an entire book? Sort that of. was one that we talked about on the way down to Florida? No. No. This no, <laughs> that's not a book. That's a tr- that's that that's that's word vomit. No, seriously. The worst info dump in the war in written history and, and granted I I'm not according as to you. According to me. The book of numbers. The Old Testament. Really? Think about it. It's all it is, is like literally this person lived until this age, his children, this, this, so this, and this, so this, begat so and so, begat so and so, begat so and so, lived until which, this age, this one begat so, which, you know, in itself, in the, it just, it's, which, which again, it's a history in that case. Yeah. yeah it's a history, but still just looking at it that because you get the stories well, of Genesis, you get the stories of And deciding of whether or not that's an info dump depends on your perspective on what the Bible is in the first place. Uh-huh. Is it history? Yeah. Or is it fiction? Yeah, but even... If you see it as fiction, then yeah, that's a massive info dump that was completely unnecessary. Yeah. If you see it as history, then of course it's necessary. We need to know this. This is important. This is our history. But, so, but perspective. Even, yeah, but even in... But just... just and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to start a debate. This is no, just my brain working. But in context of just the first Wait, five books... Your brain is working? It, it does that. In context of the first five books of the Bible, you get the stories of creation in Genesis. You get the stories of Exodus, obviously. You get the laws of Leviticus, which in itself it can in some ways be an info dump, but there's still, you know, stories going on there. And then you get numbers. <laughs> but you yourself just said books, not chapters. Yeah. So mm-hmm. technically they're all separate entities that we yeah. just compiled. Yeah, it's... It's the world's first compilation. Oh, it's an anthology. All right. <laughs> okay, on that note, the Bible is an anthology. Um, <laughs> this has been What Boils My Pot. I hope you don't hate us now. That was fun. That was fun. I, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that one. You really got me going there, and that... Just, just, That's just always the, interesting is to see what actually gets each of us going. Just the just the discussion. It got just brains. Because, I mean... It was so cute when your brain started working. I'm not used to that. Not when it comes to debate type things. Mm-hmm. Unless you have an extremely strong opinion, you tend to not speak up, and that's respectable. I, I, tend, I tend to ask more informational stuff, and mm-hmm. I, I put out ideas, and then, and then let you destroy them. <laughs> <laughs> but, Destruction! So, in the middle of that, we did kind of give a teaser Ooh. about new... Things. Seg- new segments that will put us on the spot. New stuff. I like stuff. For 2018, we are introducing two new segments. And for both at of these, two. at least two, these are the two that we have planned as of right now. Both of these will need your help. There will be, I mean, we'll, we'll mention all this on Facebook at, at, at intervals just to remind mm-hmm. people, but these are things that are going to need your help. The first segment we're calling short order cook. <laughs> this is. Some, and as a mother, I have experience with this. This is a very different kind of short order cooking because what I do we, co- what do we cook up on this show? Not food. We cook up words. Yes. The short order cook segment is going to be a speed storytelling off the cuff challenge. <laughs> Here's how it works. It's going to get really interesting. It's, it's going to get, I'm, I'm so curious to see how this works. Here's, here's what we're hoping will happen. You, the listener, will email themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. With a 
story idea, something very, very basic or potentially very like prompt length or, or yeah, yeah, a sentence or two, just the idea it can be as vague or as detailed as you want, but keep it to down one, two sentences tops. And in the subject line, you will write short order cook challenge Aaron or Theo or Theo or, or, August. or August, which will let us know that Who that needs to read the email. No, that's actually going to let us... Well, yeah. But that will let us know who the challenge is for. Meaning that if you're challenging me, I do not read this email. Mm-hmm. Ever. Because no foreknowledge of mm. what's coming. What's going to happen when we actually get set down to record that segment is Aaron or Theo will pull up that email and read me your idea. At which point I have a total of five minutes to come up with a story and tell it based on that prompt. We're going to have a stopwatch, everything. Like one minute tops to plan, four minutes to tell the story, something like that. So it's mm-hmm. going to be just we have to tell the story start to finish. If we don't make it to the end, we get punished somehow. I don't I don't know what the punishment is or what the reward is if we do well. <laughs> but I'm just so curious to see how. I make you eat blue cheese. Oh, I don't mind Gorgonzola. Ugh. But, but, but yeah, so. But you can challenge any of the three yeah, of us. Yeah, challenge any of the three of us, and we have to improvise a story right, right there. there for you, which is going to end up being another non-edited segment like the Mystery Meals, where there could be bloopers galore, cursing, and such. So that is our short order cook segment. We'll have details up on the website. Our, please, please, please. Yes, I'm, this is a way for you to be heard on the podcast mm-hmm. without having to do more than write a sentence. Mm-hmm. Just send an email with a story you'd like to hear one of us tell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there were air quotes there. I don't know if you could see them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is this is minimal effort for you guys, kind of like participating in our mystery meals. Mm-hmm. But big reward, we, yeah. we hope. Yeah, we're, we're really hoping. Challenging that. me might be dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I ramble a lot. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to be hard, I think, is going to be that five-minute time limit. The yeah. stopwatch. Because I, I, I like to talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're we're going to go and say that we get a, a piece of note paper just to kind of coll- coll- you know collect our ideas for that one minute. Yeah, basically that's just for uh, Gus here. Yeah, we'll just give myself bullet points. Uh-huh. But still. Not everybody I mean, else outlines. I mean, come on. We're going to have to tell stories I'm off the cuff. I'm a pantser. <laughs> This is going to make us all pantsers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that's the short order cook segment. The other segment that we need your help on, we're calling the pot roast. <laughs> and we're not talking about a meat dish. We're talking like Friars Club roast. <laughs> this one's going to take a little more prep, at least on our end of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, um, I'm assuming you've seen how Friars Club roasts work. The guest of honor basically gets made fun of. Ad nauseum. But it's but it's good natured fun. Yeah. We, like like me constantly saying, Hey, you know, August, you might not have seen him. He was too far below you. Or because the, you're short. Or the whole, you know, me not having a girlfriend thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I right. roast Gus all the time. Yeah, that, that's constant. It's fun. Um we're hoping that we can potentially get guests on to roast them. <laughs> Either we roast them or they roast or us. Or they roast us. Or, you know, you guys just send... My stomach's making noises. <laughs> or potentially we say, you know, hey, Theo's up to get roasted. 
Give us some things give to us, say. Give us things to say. Tweet it, Facebook it, email it, whatever. And we will just rattle on and on and on. Five, ten minutes, you know. Just the, the, yeah. the length of a segment. Just ragging on them. And that can go for, you know, any other author. Have us roast George R.R. R. Martin. Oh, wait, that might that, not be as friendly. I think they called that the Red Wedding. <gasps> You're no, done. No, actually, no, no, no. That was the Battle of the Blackwater. <laughs> but no, seriously, we, we would love to be able to, you know, say, just just say, you know, Scott Roche is listening to us and wants us to roast Paul Ellard Cooley and gives us some fodder. <laughs> Slippers. And we get you know, coolly on the Skype line and roast him for, you know, seven minutes until he's just lightly tenderized. That would be a thick skin to pummel through. Yeah. Love you, Cooley. Yeah. But just that's that's an example. So, you know, if if you want if you want to be roasted, let us let know. us know if you want to suggest somebody else to be roasted, we will more than likely contact that person and then put out a call for roasting ingredients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seasonings, yeah, yeah, all just all the all the fun stuff. So those are our two segments coming up this year: um, short order cook and the pot roast. Again, details will be up on the website for both of them. We'll put out calls on Facebook and such. Mm-hmm. But we're really hoping that you guys will get involved and help us make the podcast even more variety show, just generally better, funnier, more content. <sighs> so that was an info dump. But it was a good info. It, it seems like somebody just recently talked about how those suck. Who was that? That was you. Um, but, right. you know, we have a little bit more info to dump on them. About about the stuff? About Well, about the stuff, but first about the prompts. Yeah, that's the stuff. Yeah, that's the stuff. That's the stuff. So, other things that, you know, you can send us to help us make the podcast better are going to be fiction. Or just help us make the podcast. Yeah. Well, we, we need things. Um, main ingredient stories, which are short stories up to 5,000 words on any topic. Preferably no erotica, please. And Mostly safe for work. Yeah, just, yeah, generally. I mean, we don't mind some cursing. And stoke the fire stories, which those are the ones we really need, guys. 1,500 words or fewer based on one of our current open prompts. We always have two. The first would be prompt number 14. A rash of people have just entered the emergency room. All of them exhibiting superpowers. We've already had a, <laughs> a rash. Yeah, this yeah. Emergency yeah, room. That's funny. I, I see what they did there. We've actually already had some submissions for that. We want more. More. If you've if you've submitted us a story based on that prompt, do another. <laughs> we, we 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 like. Them. Yeah, we like we like them very much. But fifteen hundred words—that's an afternoon's writing, guys. Or for you, a lunch break. Yeah, but I'm weird. Or for, or for Nathan Lowell, about five minutes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the other open prompt is prompt number 15. This one just opened at the beginning of the month. Woo! Happy so, New Year. So warm up your pencils. Happy New no. Year. No. Oh, sorry. Prompt number 15. There is an expiration date for your birth certificate. It's only a few days away. I need to write something for that one. Yeah, that one's pretty epic. Yeah, I need to. I need to get on that. I so, know you do. So, We've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those, <laughs> so those are our open prompts. That's our usual call for submissions. Again, stoke the fires are what we really desperately need. We've got enough main ingredient stories to get us up to summer. <laughs> we need stoke the fires, guys. Please. Please, please give us your flash fiction. Don't flash us. 
Or if you want or if you to, want to you know, I, we've already established I'm not getting any, so I could use a flash. Coolie, um, I'm looking at you. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> and you know what? How about they just flash us a review? They can do that. Where? iTunes, of course. Oh, of course. The place where they can leave us 70 stars. 70 star reviews help us Basically a lot. make multiple accounts and leave us a total of 70 stars on all of your accounts. That's a lot of reviews. Mm-hmm. Do the thing. But anyway, you can review us on iTunes. It helps us with visibility, mm-hmm. helps other people find us, mm-hmm. increases our ratings, and honestly just makes us feel good. Yeah, it's 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 We nice. like that. Yeah, very much so. We also like it when you go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast. You can get stuff. And buy stuff. Like t-shirts and aprons and buttons and mugs with our faces and logos plastered all over them. To announce that you are a lexiconosaur. Or a word chef. Yeah. Or both. <gasps> yeah. It's not that shocking. Now, there is potential for people to get official titles mm-hmm. as part of the podcast crew, isn't it? Of course it? it is. Now, where can they do that? Well, at Patreon, of course. Of course. Patreon.com slash AFGrappin. That's me. Because I set it up before thinking about setting it up as the melting podcast but anyway patreon.com slash af you can support the podcast for as little as a dollar an episode um some of the slightly higher tiers like five ten dollars an episode which would be a huge boon to us the longer that you support us the more stuff you get you get extra swag you can again get an official title you could become our saucier for example our sous chef our sous chef our our cake guy <laughs> pastry chef i like pastry i like chef. cake guy <laughs> but i mean but even for just the and lotures. you might get a patreon birthday present mm-hmm. for a year since you started backing mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. well most of them do for six months or a year they'll get again bonus swag and they also get access to our mm-hmm. once a year patreon backer only episode yes which gets you which bonus the last content. couple of years hasn't that been a story written by you the last couple of years it has this year i'm hoping it'll be one by you Maybe. Or Theo. Maybe. But if not, I can always write He's busy writing academic papers. Yeah, he's being Mr. Master's degree. (laughs) With a full-time job and three kids. Yeah, he's insane. Pretty much. Yeah, well, that's why he just washes dishes for us. (laughs) He's the busy one. You could be the garbage garbage kid of the the disaster kitchen. Garbage pig. Aw. Can we get a trash? The trash panda! Trash panda! (laughs) Can we get the trash panda? The Disaster Kitchen Trash Panda. Wow. I'm waiting for Nick Kelly to up his donation and get that one. <laughs> no, 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 no. He can't be trash anything. Nick's too awesome. He could be cake guy. Pastry chef. Cake man. And now the Mega Man theme is playing in my head. Okay. That, no, no. That's, no. That's Wiley. I said Mega Man theme. No. Get get we No. Get it right. Send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to the Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you could email us. TheMeltingPodcast at gmail.com 
The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. <laughs>